that you know as they go their their beliefs evolve and that's that's true you you know the more you the more you learn the more you the closer you get you feel like you get to god you know you, you change the way you think a little bit here and there but i'm gonna tell you over i spent the first 20 21 years of my life being indoctrinated by religion and I've spent the last 30 years blowing up my foundations. <laughs> it's a, It's been a wild ride for the last 30 years, I can tell you. And that, that sounds like a long time, but y'all, when you blink your eyes, your kids are, are born and then they're, they're gone. Um, same way with, with our walk here, you, you know, but I found out once I figured out that God was good, I had to change my whole way of thinking, my whole way of reading the Bible. Everything that I thought about living for God changed when I figured out He was really good. And, and I know you've, you've harped on that for years, Brian. And that's, that, I think that's the first thing when, when we got together, started talking about before we started actually coming, um, I was talking about the goodness and said, well, that's exactly what Brian's been, been telling us, you know, for, for two years now. Uh, it's been really miraculous, the things that, that I found that we were on the same track just from different, different parts of Christianity, and we kind of come together. So this is what I'm going to teach about this morning is not going to be any different than what he's been talking for the last six or eight months, especially for the last, I don't know, couple of months, the, the direction he's been going. But it's going to be from a little bit different different angle. My journey to change began about 20 years ago, 30 years ago now, yeah. Um, when, I, when I determined, when I found out there was a different definition for saved than what I had always been taught. And you just talk, you, just about every Sunday, you say sozo, and that's the Greek word for saved. And it doesn't mean you, you punched your ticket to heaven. Right. It's got a whole bunch of different meanings. Made whole. Uh, everything is, is right. Every, just... The word whole can, can mean so many different things. But that changed my thoughts. My Every time I read the Bible now, I come from a different different place. Right. Because when it when you think about salvation, you're not just thinking about, oh, I'm, I made it, you know, I got my ticket. So everything that I think about comes from that, from that point. So God is good and saved. That was the first two things that I, that changed my foundations. Okay. Um, <clears throat> And then when you read that Jesus came to give life and life more abundantly from that angle, you think about, you know, used to it was like, okay, he came to bring me the afterlife and the afterlife more, more abundantly because this, we're in a wreck in this world right now. Yeah. Uh, but it didn't mean that. He meant life right here. Our, our eternal life started when we, when we decided that we were going to believe that Jesus came to save us from our sins. And that, that even took on a different meaning. Yeah. So how did how did we go from what was really intended by the words of Jesus and Paul and all the disciples to where to where we are now? How how did how did we even get to that place? Because Paul told, and I'll I'll be like reading a bunch of scripture, so if you want to try to follow, you can. If you want to write them down, that might be better. Or you might get the recording or whatever and, and get them down later. But I'll just be going through them. So if you, if you want to follow along, you, you can try. Um, Paul told the Galatians in Galatians 1, 6 through 7, <clears throat> I'm shocked over how quickly you have strayed away from the one who called you in the grace of Christ. I'm astounded that you, are, that you now embrace a distorted gospel that is a fake gospel that is simply not true. There is only one gospel, the good news of Christ, yet you have allowed those who mingle law 
with grace to confusion. Did you know there was a distorted gospel? Well, all you got to do is look around and how many denominations of Christianity do we, do we have just in the United States alone? But I'm real... I'm real careful about talking about the gospel because just in the next two verses, Paul says this, but even if we or an angel from heaven should preach a gospel different than the one we preach to you, let them be under God's curse. Let me be clear, anyone, no matter who they are, that brings you a different gospel than the gospel that you have received, let them be condemned and cursed. So when I started thinking there was something different than, than what was out, than what we were being taught, I'm like, ooh, hold on now, you got to, this is. One last scripture before I really get to what the meat of what I want to talk about. Can anybody, and I, I do like a little bit of uh, interaction whenever I'm talking, because I, I call myself teaching more than, more than anything. So I know we have a lot of people here. I need to be louder. Just real, just real low. Uh-huh. How about we put some more balance on this real quick? I'm sorry. Can anybody tell me what what Jesus was the most concerned about when he was here on earth? I know he was concerned he came to seek and save that was lost. But what did he warn the disciples of the most? Uh, adultery? Or um, what, what sin did he warn them of? Matthew 16, Mark 8, and Luke 12, they all say about the same thing. Beware of the leaven of the Pharisees, which is hypocrisy. Pharisees had taken the law of Moses and distorted it where nobody could understand or, or live it. And they used it to make the slaves out of the Israelites again. It, humans have this habit of, of turning what was meant for salvation and turning it into slavery. Think about it for a second. J- Joseph... Joseph brought his family, the, the Israelites, into Egypt to save them from the famine that was going on. And somehow it turned into slavery after he was gone. Don't you think there was some time where they should have gotten out of Egypt and went back to where they were supposed to be at some point in that time? But it turned into slavery. When they actually left Egypt, they were headed to the Promised Land and they had the best GPS around. They had the fire by night and the cloud by day. They, they couldn't get, they could not not go in the right direction. Yeah. But when they ended up at the edge of the promised land, it didn't look like what they had in their head that it was supposed to be. Because yeah. only two of the spies came back, you know, saying, let's, let's go do it. And they ended up 40 more years in Slavery. You might as well say it was slavery. Yeah. When, um, when they were expecting the Messiah to come, they had these prophets that prophesied, you know, you can go back and read after the fact all the prophecies of, of Jesus coming, and he hit every one of them. But when he actually was on the scene, they didn't recognize him yeah. for who he was. They were in slavery of the law. Yeah. Now we're looking for some kind of second coming of Jesus right now. Why do we think that we have it all right when all these other times it was wrong? I think we have to be open to the fact that we may, I mean our prophets have prophesied things and, and maybe we're, I don't know, are we looking at things right ourselves? Or are we back at some kind of slavery right now? I think, I think we have been. Yeah. 
The question is going to be if if we're going to continue to let the leaven of the Pharisees continue to let it affect our walk, our our you know how how we think of God and. You know, I keep hating to say Christianity and our walk with God. I mean, everything just those those are just like uh, bullet points that you know you want to throw out there. But everything in my mind has changed these days. So what I'd like to do, I want to go back to the very beginning. Actually, the very beginning, Genesis. But before I go there, I want to go to the very end. Because the only way you know where you're going is if you know where you're going to. You know, when you get your GPS, you got to put in that destination. But you also got to recognize that destination when you get there. Yeah. So let's let's start from the beginning with the end in mind. How about that? <coughs> so let's go to Revelations, and we'll be we'll look at first at Revelation eleven. 15 through 19. <clears throat> the seventh angel sounded his trumpet, and there were loud voices in heaven which said, The kingdom of the world has become the kingdom of our Lord and his Messiah, and he will reign forever and ever. Note that when the trumpet sounds, that's just an announcement that all these things have already taken place. It's not like it's an announcement, and then the kingdoms become. The kingdoms have become, and the trumpet sounds. Okay? that And that seventh trumpet, I mean, we recognize that. That's like, I mean, I know there's some things that happen after the seventh trumpet, but that's like that's like end times for us. That's what we think of end times, the seventh, you know, that seventh trumpet sound. Daniel also talks about it in Daniel 2. In the days of those kings, the God of heaven will set up a kingdom that will never be destroyed, nor will it be left to another people. It will shatter though, shatter all these kingdoms and bring to an end, but will itself stand forever. In Daniel 7, 14, And he was given dominion, glory, and kingship that the people of every nation and language should serve him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion that will not pass away, and his kingdom is one that will never be destroyed. That is what happens right before the seventh trumpet. I mean, that, those things have already taken place and then the seventh trumpet sounds. So we have, a, we have kind of a, something to look forward to that the kingdoms of the earth will be the kingdoms of our God. That's, that's my destination. That's what I'm looking for. I'm not looking, and I'm, I'm probably getting ahead of myself with my notes, I'm not looking for the rapture to come, I'm sorry, and take, and take me out and the world all be burned up. I'm looking for the kingdoms of this world to become the kingdoms of our God. That's my GPS endpoint. But what happens right before that? In Revelation 10, verse 7, we know exactly kind of what happens before that. But in the days when the seventh angel is about to sound his trumpet, in the days, that means, you know, I'm not thinking 24-hour days. This is like in the times before he sounds his trumpet, the mystery of God will be accomplished just as he announced to the servants the prophets. So some mystery is going to be accomplished I mean, like, accomplished means that mystery, a mystery means something that you didn't know, but now you know, and then it's going to be accomplished. So sometime in the days before the seventh trumpet at the end, there's going to be something, a mystery that's going to be accomplished. I'm not going to tell you what that is right now. We're going to, we're going to go back to the beginning knowing where we're coming to to the end, okay? So I said we're going to go all the way back to Genesis and start. Because I want you to see, we've talked about that leaven a little bit. I want you to see where it all began. Genesis 1, 26 through 27. Then God said, 
Let us make mankind in our image, in our likeness, so that they may rule over the fish in the sea, the birds in the sky, over the livestock, and all the wild animals, and over all the creatures that move along the ground. So God created mankind in his own image, and in the image of God he created them, male and female, just in case you thought it was just male that he created, created in his image. Male and female, he created them. What happens in chapter 3? Original sin. The, the very first sin is recorded in the Bible. And most of you, if I, if I were to ask, I don't know about most of you, you guys are pretty well pretty versed, but the, the normal person on the street, when you ask them what the original sin is, they're going to say disobedience to God, they ate of the tree that they wasn't supposed to eat of, and that, that, caused a, that was the rebellion, and that's what caused the downfall of humanity. I completely disagree with that. What did Satan challenge whenever he spoke to them? You will not certainly die, the serpent said to the woman, for God knows that when you eat from it, your eyes will be open and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. And what did God just say in the previous one? They were already made in his image. They were already like God. So he was trying to tell them, oh, you've got to do this in order to be like God. Don't you, don't you hear that just about every Sunday? Oh, yeah. <laughs> you got to do this to be more like God. Come I mean, on. we need to, you know, a normal time when I would uh, get to speak, you know, like a fear would come over me, and I'm like, all right, I'm going to fast three days this week, and, and uh, you know, not going to listen to any, anything except for gospel music all week long. You, you know, that, that kind of stuff, like, like fear would come. Like, but I don't have to prove anything. I'm already like as much like God. Is I'm going to be. I just got to know it. Come on. Come on. Religion is the leaven of the Pharisees. And religion started right there in the garden. That was your first time to ever see religion born. The next place I want to take you to is in Luke. Luke 3. Luke 3, 21 and 22. When all the people were being baptized, Jesus was baptized too. And as he was praying, heaven was opened, and the Holy Spirit descended on him in bodily form like a dove, and a voice came from heaven. You are my son, whom I love. With you I am well pleased. And everybody knows that after he was baptized, he was the Holy Spirit led him into the wilderness to be tempted. You believe that? The Holy Spirit let read it. The Holy Spirit led him to be tempted. What's the first thing that the devil tempted him with? If you are the Son of God, tell this stone to become bread. <coughs> We just, God just, I mean, said out loud, I don't know what, can you imagine being there when he was baptized and, you are my son. (laughs) Some some translation says, you are my beloved son, not you are the son whom I I love. But the devil, he kind of twists it a little bit again, you are the son of God. Now he was the son of God that God loved. tried to infiltrate even Jesus with religion. The leaven of the Pharisees. And Paul Paul brings it out, I guess. Maybe Paul, maybe um, Paul write Romans. We don't know. Yeah. In Romans 8, 14 through 17, I'm going to read this whole, this whole thing. The mature children of God are those who are moved by the impulses of the Holy Spirit. 
And you did not receive the spirit of religious duty. You did not receive the leaven of the Pharisees. Leading you back into the fear of never being good enough. I love the Passion Translation. But you have received the spirit of full acceptance enfolding you into the family of God. And you will never feel orphaned. You will never feel orphaned as long as you know that you receive the full spirit of acceptance. For as he rises up within us, our spirits join him in saying the words of tender affection, beloved Father. For the, Holy, for the Holy Spirit makes God's fatherhood real to us as he whispers into our innermost being. Think about what this said. The Holy Spirit that we have inside of us makes God's fatherhood real to us as he whispers to our innermost being. You are God's beloved child. Don't let Satan tell you that you're not. Devil's in the microphone. Yeah, why don't you know identity? Hey, you're preaching good. You don't want that message up. Preaching good. Come on. And since we are his true children, we qualify to share all of his treasures, for indeed we are heirs of God Himself. Can you even wrap your and since we are joined to Christ, we also inherit all that he is and all that he has. We will experience being co-glorified with him, provided that we accept his sufferings as our own. That's a real feel-good set of scriptures there. We can read them all day long. We can quote them every day. Wow, we live in it. Do we believe it? We can still, you've said it multiple times, Brian. We can live as slaves and we are the children of God and still be living as slaves in, in God's house. Yeah. Like their older brother in the, in the, in the story mm -hmm. of the two brothers, the one took his inheritance and run off and the older brother was, was still there. He was living as a slave in his own house. He was as bad off as the younger one yeah. that took off. Right. He didn't know who he was. Paul says in Galatians 4, 1 through 2, let me illustrate, as long as an heir is a minor, he's not really much different than a servant or slave. Although he's a master over all of them. For until the time appointed by the father, the child is under domestic supervision of the guardians of the estate. That leaven of the Pharisees, can, or we can call it the spirit of religious duty, like like Paul called in, in the Passion Translation, yeah. keeps us as slaves in, in the Father's kingdom. We continually think, like I was saying a while ago, think we have to do something more and more and more in order to get us closer and closer to God. Yeah. Whenever He's living inside of us, we can't get any closer to God than that. We can't become any more of a son of God or daughter of God than what we already are. But there is maturity in that transition from, from being that, that heir to being that mature son of God. There's a, there's a place there. So let's, let's once and for all prove where we should actually be as, as a son of God. Let's, let's see... Remember the mystery that was talk, that we talked about in Revelation? But in the days when the seventh angel is about to sound his trumpet, 
the mystery of God will be accomplished just as he announced to, the, to his servants, the prophets. So there's something that's been announced by the prophets. It's a mystery that's going to be accomplished during that time. So now we're going to find out what that mystery is. And we go to Ephesians 3, 4 through 6. In reading this, then, you will be able to understand my insight into the mystery of Christ. I pretty much think he's talking about the same mystery. Because this next sentence says, which was not made known to people in other generations as it has now been revealed by the Spirit to God's holy apostles and prophets. It's almost exactly the same, same thing that John said. There's a mystery that's revealed by the prophets. This mystery is that through the gospel, the Gentiles are heirs together with Israel, members together in one body, and shares together in the promise in Jesus Christ. So that mystery that's going to be accomplished, we will finally get rid of the spirit of religion and understand that we're truly heirs. Now, accomplishing something is different than knowing something. We can read this. The mystery is that the Gentiles are heirs, but to actually accomplish that, we have to become the heirs. Does that make sense? So sometime in the days before the seventh trumpet, we will finally find our place as true heirs. Doesn't that, doesn't that spark something? I know I'm not up here jumping around shouting and, and hollering and, you know, like some, some preachers do on Sunday morning. But that, like, puts something in me to know that I'm looking forward to something different than what the, the, Christian, the Christian world out there is looking for right now. Every time, you know, you hear wars and rumors of wars like that's going on right now, you can ask just about anybody on the street, that's the end times. You know, you don't know whether to pray for the Ukraine or say, Lord Jesus, come. You, you know? It's really it's com it's conflicting. Yeah. Galatians three seven through nine says this. Understand then that those who have faith are children of Abraham. Scripture foresaw that God would justify the Gentiles by faith and announced the gospel in advance. To Abraham. So Abraham knew the gospel before Jesus ever set foot on the earth. What was that gospel? That all nations will be blessed through you. So those who rely on faith are blessed along with Abraham, the man of faith. So the gospel is actually... I mean, there, there's different facets of the gospel, but that's the very beginning of the gospel, that Abraham and his heirs will bless the earth, will bless everybody else. And that's what we're heirs to, is to be a blessing on the earth. How can we be a blessing on the earth if we're expecting the earth to be destroyed and, and we're all sucked up out of here? Romans 8, 22 through 24. I told you I was going to have a lot of scriptures because I, I like to have the Bible t teach itself just about whenever I talk. Um, and sometimes I'll have somebody else read it so if there's something controversial in it, they can be the one that read it and not me. <laughs> Romans 8, 22. <laughs> I, I haven't called on you to read this morning. <laughs> You didn't want to clean up my mess, did you? <laughs> Y'all have to clean up my mess when it's all done. So I'm just like, I, I 
was listening to somebody this week. He said, I'm a visiting, I'm a visiting preacher. Whoever's going to be left after this is out to clean up all the mess that I made. I mean, I know I'm going to be here, but I'm not the one who speaks every Sunday. So whatever mess I make, good luck. Romans 8, 22-24. To this day, we are aware of the universal agony and groaning of creation as if it were in the contractions of labor for childbirth. And it's not just creation. We, who have already experienced the first fruits of the Spirit, also inwardly groan as we passionately long to experience our full status as God's sons and daughters, including our physical bodies being transformed. For this is the hope of our salvation. Really? What, what is the hope of your salvation? It's not heaven. I want to read that one more time. We who have already experienced the first fruits of the Spirit also inwardly groan as we passionately long to experience our full status as God's sons and daughters. When you realize what you have inside of you and who you are, there's something that starts stirring on the inside. Tell me if I'm wrong. Something that stirs on the inside of you that says, mm, there's, there's more. And I can't do anything about it but understand it and hope for it. Desire it. There's nothing that I can do that can get me closer to that. It's the hope of our salvation. And there's a little dash there. I don't know. Maybe I'll need to research this. It says, including our physical bodies being transformed. <laughs> yeah, this is kind of a side deal from, from what I'm talking about, but. You can ask my my family how old that I think that I'm going to live to. How old do I say? 120 years old is what I'm saying I'm living to. Because my my physical body is going to be transformed somehow, and I'm gonna, I'm going to live older. And that's just the beginning. I'm I'm just saying that's that's I'm at least going to live to 120 years old because I believe we're in we're in the quote end times right now. We're in the in the days before the seventh trumpet. I believe that with all my heart. This is the hope of our salvation. But hope means that we must trust and wait for what is still unseen. For why would we need to hope for something we already have? We have the first fruits of the Spirit. We have the hope transforming ourselves to heirs, to true heirs. We are heirs right now, but we're slaves. We're servants. Our hope is full maturity as sons and daughters. That's our hope. And when you get that, it starts stirring something in there that you can't get rid of and you, you desire it every day. That's all you want to talk about. Eat, sleep it. When you when you get that inside of you, because that is hope. Hope is not is not this world going to going to hell. That's not hope. And when the seventh trumpet sounds, it's done. We've already we've already become who we are. We've already become those mature sons. We've taken the, the kingdom, we've taken the world and made it God's kingdom and we've handed it to him and the seventh trumpet sounds. That's what it's all about. That's good, bro. That's so good. And everything, including the trees, the grass, the earth, everything is sitting on edge waiting for us to make that transition. Paul just said it. And when you understand that, 
you'll be growing on the inside for her too. And once that happens, not just that we know about it, but when it's accomplished, the seventh angel sounded his trumpet, and there were loud voices in heaven which said, the kingdom of the world has become the kingdom of our Lord and of his Messiah, and he will reign forever and ever. Daniel 7 puts it like this. Then the sovereignty, dominion, and greatness of the kingdoms under all heaven will be given to the people, the saints of the Most High. That's when it's accomplished, when it's given to the saints of the Most High. His kingdom will be an everlasting kingdom and all rulers will serve and obey him. That's what I'm looking for. That, that is my hope. That is what I have in my GPS that I'm looking to see happen. The kingdoms of the world becoming the kingdoms of our God. You must can read my mind, Des, because I was about to ask you to come back. Now, we, we go back to Romans and we see that he said, We who have already experienced the first fruits of the Spirit also inwardly groan as we passionately long to experience full status as God's sons and daughters. You, you need to experience that the first fruits of the Spirit in order to, to have that, to have the even the possibility of the groaning on the inside. The first fruits of the Spirit. Ephesians 1 and 12. says, God's purpose was that we Jews, this is Paul talking, who were the first to long for the Messiah, Messianic hope, would be the first to believe in the anointed one and bring great praise and glory to God. And because of him, when you who are not Jews heard the revelation of truth, you believed in the wonderful news of salvation. Remember what salvation is. It's not checking your ticket for heaven. You believed in the wonderful news of salvation, of fullness, of wholeness, of everything being corrected. Now we have been stamped with the seal of the promised Holy Spirit. He is given to us like an engagement ring as a first installment of what's coming. He is our hope promise of a future inheritance which seals us until we have all the redemption's promises and experience complete freedom all for the supreme glory and honor of God. That, that is such a mouthful. When you receive the Spirit, you've been stamped with the seal. I used to believe you were stamped, you were sealed and in salvation that you made it to, you know, now you can go to heaven because you've got that seal on you. Now it's a seal, it, and he puts it so awesome, like an engagement ring, like, I've got, the Holy Spirit is in me, that's God in me now, I have the fullness of God, but it's only the first step, it's our, it's our hope, promise, yeah. of our full inheritance. Yeah. And our full inheritance is not heaven somewhere off. Our full inheritance is what we just got through talking about. Yeah. Our full inheritance is moving from a young, immature kid as a slave in the house, in the kingdom, to that fully matured son in the kingdom. 
That's our full inheritance. And I'm thinking of it like, when you get engaged, you get the engagement ring. You long for that for so long. Then you get that engagement ring, and you long to have your children. Yeah. You know, and you want to have children, and you're like, oh, God, I hope I can have children. And, and then you have all these children, and then when you're, you know, have grandchildren, you go back and you look at this whole kingdom God gave you. Good. And that's just like, a, you know, our walk with God yeah. that still just starts yeah. the beginning of that. And we yeah. hope that as we walk through this earth, we can look back one day and see this kingdom that we had a small part in building. Yeah. yeah. That's an awesome picture. Yeah. Because he, he designed marriage to look exactly like our our walk with him. Yeah. Because it, what was that place? I don't even remember Paul was talking about a man, would, you know, would leave his family and, and come to his wife, and they would become one flesh. He said, "Oops, but I was talking about uh, your your relationship with God." Yeah. He was really discussing that, and that that intimacy, that that engagement ring, is just the promise of a future intimacy with Him, and then the children come. <laughs> you know, and then a yeah. hundred years later, you look back and like, oh my God, that promised land is nothing like I thought, but it's so much better. Yeah. Yeah. It's, 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 we, and we don't want to get to that promised land and it looks so different than what we have in our mind that we end up going back in the wilderness because we don't believe that that's the promised land. Yeah. That's why this is not even not in my notes at all. That's why you have you have leaders that are forerunners in these things because when when they actually really went into the promised land, the leaders stepped out in the water first. In the presence of God with the ark, they, they stepped out in, in the water first to lead the children of Israel across. And that's when it parted. The water didn't part until they stepped out in there. That's why you have forerunners that, that are going before us that that are that are saying Everything in Christianity right now is full of the leaven of the Pharisees, and we've got to we've got to do away with that in order to get where we need to be. And then we think we have to strive for it all the time. That's something we have to take completely out of our out of our our mind, our vocabulary, the striving to get somewhere. the time that we have here is that that first fruits of the Spirit because if we don't have the first fruits of the Spirit we can't we can't go any further and you know the, the way the background that I came from when when you wanted Spirit, it was a, it was something else that you had to do to get it. It, it was a, like I've seen people. I'm, just for everybody's information, I'm I'm from United Pentecostal Church background. I've seen people seek for the Holy Spirit for months because we attach so much. So much of, of what we had to do in order to get the Holy Ghost. We call it getting the Holy Ghost instead of receiving the Holy Ghost. And so I, I want us to, to like think about that for the for the last few minutes of the of the time that we have here. I'm gonna read a few scriptures to kind of get us in, in the mind frame of this, and then we're gonna go a little bit more worship time. So we can actually receive something from God this morning. I really think he has something for somebody or more than one somebody here this morning. Um, it, so let, let me just read the first thing. The first thing. It, in Acts 2 was the first time that the, that the Spirit came to the church in the New Testament. Yeah. Not saying it's the first time somebody actually 
received the Holy Spirit because John the Baptist had it in his mother's womb. But this is the first time after Jesus left that he um, that the Holy Spirit came to the church as promised by Jesus. Yeah. It said on the day of Pentecost, on the day Pentecost was being fulfilled, all the disciples were gathered in one place. Suddenly they heard the sound of a violent blast of wind rushing into the house from out of the heavenly realm. The roar of the wind was so overpowering that it was all anyone could bear. Then all at once a pillar of fire appeared before their eyes. It separated into tongues of fire that engulfed each one of them. They were all filled and equipped with the Holy Spirit and were inspired to speak in tongues Powered by the Spirit to speak in languages they had never heard. Yeah. You you could take that those verses of Scripture right there, and if you you have somebody that wants to develop a full doctrine on receiving the Holy Spirit, you would think that we have to have a roaring wind come through yeah. this place and fire over everybody, yeah. and that's just more of us trying to accomplish something that God's going to do. Yeah. So when we go into this time, I don't want any expectations of anything, yeah. but just that God is going to fill this room. Yeah. The Holy Spirit is going to fill this room. Yeah. There's another place in Acts 19. While Apollos was ministering in Corinth, Paul traveled through the regions of Turkey until he arrived in Ephesus, where he found a group of 12 followers of Jesus. The first thing he asked them was, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you became believers? Yeah. No, they replied, we've not even heard of the Holy Spirit. They were believers, but they hadn't received the first fruits of the Spirit that was going to allow them to have that, that promise of the inheritance. And you can build a, a whole doctrine on this as well, that you, you've, got to, you've got to do something to get the Holy Ghost, because if you don't, then you don't have that promise. But again, I want us just to let God and the Spirit move in here without any expectations. Because what did Paul do? He went and laid hands on them, and every one of them, all 12 of them, received the Holy Spirit. And they, they spoke in tongues and prophesied. Yeah. I don't want to think you think that you have to have somebody come lay their hands on you for you to receive the Holy Spirit. Yeah. You don't have to. We don't build doctrine from that. Yeah. But if you are worshiping here, you feel like you want somebody to lay their hands on you, that is perfectly okay. Yeah. <clears throat> Last reading, then I want them to start start singing again. Yeah. And and I'll give it back to Brian and we we can do whatever God leads to do for the rest of the service. You know this the story the the uh the fiction in, in Acts where Peter and John, I think it was Peter and John, were arrested. They were taken before the, the Sanhedrin and they were commanded not to preach anymore. I mean, they were arrested because they had healed a crippled guy. Uh, imagine that. Uh, and they were, they told them that they couldn't preach anymore, don't even say the name of Jesus anymore. Well, they left out of there and said, whatever. Left out of there, went to a little prayer meeting with the with the church. And it in Acts 4:31 it says, as they prayed, the earth shook beneath them, causing the building they were in to tremble. Yeah. Wouldn't that be something? Yeah. Each one of them was filled with the Holy Spirit, and they proclaimed the word of God with unrestrained boldness. The exact opposite of what they were just told not to right. do. Right. But you could make a, a doctrine of this and it's like, you know, we got to have the earth shake before we're going to be filled with the Holy Ghost. But I want to point out something in this. This was back to the church, had a prayer meeting. All these, most of these people, you could say, already were filled with the Holy Ghost at, at one point because that. You know how many people were filled with the Holy Ghost on the day of Pentecost after the upper room was thousands of people? Well, this is saying they were filled again. So if you even if you are filled today, 
we can be filled again and should be filled again because there's several times in Scripture where it said, and Peter being filled with the Holy Ghost did this, and they looked for, for um, deacons in the church that were filled with the Holy Ghost. And then another place, Paul says, don't be drunk with wine, but be, be filled with the Holy Ghost. And that filled, and that means be filled and continually to be filled with the Holy Ghost. So we should be seeking to be filled and refilled and filled and refilled all the time. So that's kind of what I want this, this to be this morning. If you if you don't know if you received the Holy Ghost, just believe for it this morning as we yeah. go into worship. If you need somebody to lay hands on or want somebody to lay, we're, we're here to pray with you. And if you have received it, let's be refilled this morning so we can up the ante with our promise. Our promise that He's promised of the inheritance of the world. Yeah. The promise of taking the kingdoms of this world and making them the kingdoms of our God. Yeah. So let's let's worship this morning and expect God to move in here, the Spirit of the Lord to move in here and touch us again and refill us as we go. Right? 
let's just begin to sing that. I want, even when you can't see it, because I want you to, I want you to see this. I want you to see the fact that it's not just He's working. He's wants to be working through you wherever you're going. At your job, at your home place, the marketplace, it doesn't matter. But you gotta come into knowing who you are as a son, as a daughter, and come into sonship and say, I'm not gonna stop working. He's the light in the darkness, we just say. What does that mean? You're the light in the darkness. Everything that we just declared about him is you. For as you are, for as he is now, so are you in this world. As he is now.
yourself out in all sorts of beautiful ways in service to the world, which gives people a glimpse and the scent of Jesus. You are the scent we don't want to leave out Miss Melissa. She's our advisor. If you have anything you want to say? Come on, say it. I know you got something. Great one. Sure? Yep, sure. Brett, you got one? I know you do. I know you do. You better sit up for two hours. You got to talk. All right, well, I just I received something while I was sitting there worshiping. And it goes along with what Bill said. And when he brought us into Romans chapter 8, he talked about how the all creation is standing on tiptoe, waiting for the sons and daughters of God to rise up and take this place. And their place is beyond religion. And so what he showed me, you know, we have been governed. We think we've been in a free society all this time. But we have been governed by a non-Christian group for decades. And I declare that this is the generation, your generation, this yeah. young people that are here today, it's your generation who will come up and govern as God said it would be. It will be governed from His kingdom, not the earth's kingdom. And so we're going to see this young generation come up into places that they're going to say, Lord, you tell me what to say. You tell me what to do. And there is where the, there's where this is going to come into where the kingdom of God covers the earth as the water covers the sea. And that's what he intended. Yeah, he did create governments, but he intended that his people go. And we belong to the government. The government. So I just wanted to declare that out. Thank you. 